This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Before the episode begins, I want to give a huge shout out to Sock Club. Sock Club is delivering the perfect gift experience. Quality American-made socks are sent straight to your loved one's door, featuring different designs and a personal note every month. This is the gift that keeps giving all year long. They've sent me some socks. I've been blown away. I'm not a sock dude, but this Sock Club has made me a sock dude. Please go to SockClub.com and get 15% off using discount code WORDS, W-O-R-D-S, at checkout. Give Sock Club this holiday season. I love it. Dive in. Here's the episode. Oh, hello, everybody. You just heard from me, but now you're hearing from me again. I'm Ray Harkins, and uh, happy holidays, because uh, it's December now, right? Well, technically, I should have released this yesterday, the last day of November, but um, life life has a tendency to get in the way and is extremely busy. So, uh, but that's, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute because I know many of you have a voice concerned about me as a human being and I appreciate that. And I will uh, tell you why. If you're just joining us for the very first time, I've got uh, 200 plus of these things. You can dive into the archives and uh, listen to interviews with people who are involved in independent music, who are creating cool stuff in and around independent music or have been influenced by the genre uh, you know, the umbrella genre, whether it's punk, hardcore, indie rock, I don't care what it is, as long as it comes from the uh, the basement, so to speak. So that's what we do. And this person is uh, typifies that experience. And his name is Billy Reimer. He is the drummer for Dillinger Escape Plan, also played on uh, some Glassjaw stuff, uh, also played in a band called North Korea. And uh, frankly, this was the sort of nerdiest episode I've done, I think, in regards to like, uh, I wouldn't say gear talk per se, but uh, he's the sort of person where um, he is such a talented drummer that uh, a lot of people are so insanely interested in drums. And frankly, before I played in the bands that uh, I did, I had this idea that I was going to be the drummer of whatever band I played in. And uh, I quickly realized that uh, I'm not that good. So I've always had an affinity for drums and drummers because in a live music experience, that's what my eye is drawn to immediately. How good the drummer is, uh, you know, do they hit hard? Um, yeah, so that sort of stuff. So that's why I, I was, you know, kind of excited to have this person on and kind of really get into the craft of uh, drumming, as it were. So that is what we're going to be doing. And um, yeah, that's what's happening with the show and what's happening with me. So uh, yeah, you know, I've been uh, handling myself relatively well, I think, uh, all things considered. Uh, my wife has been diagnosed with cancer, and she is now through her second round of chemotherapy. And um, obviously, there's no... Uh, it's not easy at all. I don't mean to paint this in a picture where it's like, oh, yeah, everything's good. You know, I sound normal, because I'm sure some of you that listen to this show on a week-to-week basis uh, do have that experience with me, where it's just like, oh, yeah, Ray sounds like he's okay. Um, and if, frankly, like I am. I, I, I'm doing pretty well because I'm just kind of focusing on the forward momentum and the progress that she's made and uh, frankly how badass she is because she's confronting this thing head on and um, I couldn't be more proud of her and uh, it's it's an unbelievable experience um, I you know I wouldn't wish on anybody but in the middle of it uh, I'm definitely doing what I can to take my time to kind of appreciate the experience for what it is uh, as weird as that sounds but um, yeah anyways Sorting through all that, but uh, I appreciate all of you who have reached out to me and have offered either, um, you know, their sympathy, offered their own personal story, because, um, I mean, really, when you reach out and kind of expose yourself to another person, 
that's a huge thing. And I, I really thank everybody who has, uh, who has done that because there's been a lot of you who have shared stories about, uh, either loved ones or they themselves have gone through a battle with cancer. Um, because I mean, that affects so many people. So anyways, I appreciate that. And, uh, I'm just excited to kind of, uh, focus on the holidays as it were, and just enjoy the time with uh, my family, see some friends here and there, uh, because really, uh, my life is so busy between handling my kiddo, handling this podcast, handling work, and then obviously taking care of whatever my wife needs. It's, uh, there's really no time for, uh, hanging out, you know, even though I wish I had the time for that, but, um, yeah, we'll be still be cranking this thing through. I may take a couple weeks off towards the end of December, uh, but I'll keep you posted on that, but you will have the year end episode where me and my good friend, Joey Cahill of 6131 Records and Jeremy Bohm of Touche More recap our top records of the year, because that's always a fun one. And, um, yeah, I'm excited about that. So Anyways, that's uh, all the business, and um, yeah, there's nothing to say more about Billy than uh, what I already did at the beginning, so now here is the discussion with Billy, and I will talk to you after it's over. You drum people are a very interesting breed, (laughs) because... uh, you know, you guys obviously, and when I say you guys, I mean people that are, are solely focused on the craft of drumming. I find it so interesting because a lot of the times you guys don't necessarily attach yourself to a genre. You just obviously like to play music kind of in general, you know? Um, and you don't. Yeah, well, that, well, that's the thing about our instrument. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's required in so many fields and so many different sounds and so many different genres. I mean, you can play this instrument in just about any gig, you know? Whereas, like, like distorted electric guitar is not going to work in, like, a lot of genres, you know what I mean? Whereas, like, the instrument itself would, too. But drums, have, it's the most, you know, primal instrument that's been around since anything. That's true. You know, I honestly didn't, never really thought about it from that perspective where you can kind of basically, you know, not plug and play, but you can show up and obviously play. And as long as you have the chops, you can kind of, you know, fit into any scenario. Yeah, I mean, you don't even need power. Right. You know, you don't, you, don't, you don't even need AC current or anything. You can just play. So, yeah, um, in that sense, uh, I guess I agree with you. Right. It, Where uh, <laughs> no, people are a special breed. <laughs> yeah, just because it's like, I mean, honestly, every drummer that I've ever, like, played with or encountered um, that does you know, ha- does it for, uh, you know, the pure purpose of obviously playing drums. Like, you know, obviously, uh, obviously a lot of people that, you know, they start in their, pu- their first punk and hardcore band, they kind of get thrown behind the drums and are just like, all right, dude, play me a four, four beat. Whereas obviously some people like have loved drums ever since they were like, you know, 10 years old and kind of develop the craft there. What sort of, right. what sort of compartment do you put yourself in? Were you kind of thrown behind it or were you always passionate about that? It was the type of thing that when I was a kid, I always wanted to play music. I always kind of just wanted to be in the band because my dad was in bands. And, you know, I would go to his rehearsal studios and just see everyone playing instruments and equipment and playing songs, playing covers and whatnot. And uh, I just always, something I found intriguing at a like, young age, like, you know, like when I was like two, three years old, I was, you know, in, involved in just, you know, seeing local shows and, you know, going to my dad's gigs. And uh, I figured at the time... Um, you know, drums would just be the easiest instrument to play. You didn't have to know any scales. You didn't have to know any chords. I remember I picked up a guitar and it sounded like like total dog shit, and uh, I put it down right away. Um, and then, uh, 
uh, around like uh, age six, like my parents got the hit, like the hint, like I just started, I, I found a pair of sticks. Actually, a neighbor gave me a pair of sticks and I just started hitting everything around the house. So they got me a kit. And uh, now, uh, now I just woke up on a tour bus. <laughs> right, right. right now you're here. Fast forward, fast forward 25 years later, and uh, right, I'm, I'm still I'm still hitting things with sticks, and uh, now it's pretty much my my uh, primary source of income, and really the only thing uh, I can do at this point. Right. Um, and w- what sort of stuff did your dad play? That obviously, you know, he was gigging around, so to speak. What was he doing? Uh, he, I mean, he was he was. Primarily, um, at the time, he was playing like synthesizers. He was playing like, like Moog synthesizers, uh, a lot of keyboards. Now he's more of like a piano and Hammond organ guy. He play, you know, he was playing in an Allman Brothers tribute band for years, and now, you know, he's got like, you know, local blues bands on on Long Island, and he gigs more than I do. Honestly, he gigs every night. He just stays at home. He has a gig every night still. Nice. My dad. Yeah, he's, he's crazy. <laughs> That's really cool. And so, what was your family structure? Yeah. What was your family structure like at home? Was it uh, you know mom and dad in the in, in the house and like brothers and sisters? Or paint me that picture. Oh, it was you know it, I, I come from a good home, man. Um, you know, it, uh, my parents are still together. Uh, I get along with my siblings. I got a younger brother and a younger sister. Um, I was the only one who went towards music. My sister went more towards uh, yoga and dance and uh, and and academics. She's becoming a math teacher. And my my brother is um, he is like a graphic artist. He just bought like a twenty thousand dollars supercomputer to to make like Pixar animations with, and and he literally does nothing but draw all day. But uh, yeah, we we all kind of like found our thing. You know what I mean? Like everyone has like their own little creative trajectory right right and this was all you were you were in long island correct uh uh yeah well my family lives on long island i currently don't associate anywhere with home because i've just like i travel so much but um i'm actually probably going to be locating to uh somewhere near you oh nice like in uh in the orange county area yeah uh, yeah i'm thinking around uh april of next year nice well we'll 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 welcome you with open arms it's quite nice out here yes (laughs) um and so like you know once you started to attach yourself to obviously playing drums and starting to um i guess kind of discover your own music what were you initially you know attracted to because you know like you said obviously you can play so many different styles of music but i presume kind of the you know sort of rock based stuff is where you were kind of headed or were you interested in a lot of different things um no, I was really more just interested in in rock and uh, and progressive rock. I, like, I mean, when I was when I was seven years old, my dad was playing me Carl Palmer, Emerson, Lincoln Palmer, and listening to you know Tarkus front to finish, uh, and just be blown away at like you know like the monstrosity of of these you know crazy drum solos that recorded twenty years before I was even born, and uh, I was just I was just into that. Like, my first concert was actually seeing Primus and Rush. So I saw Tim Alexander and Neil Peart was like my first two drummers I saw on the stage. And, uh, and then later on I got into like, like, you know, hardcore metal, like in my teens, um, and tons of, you know, other genre music, other genres. Ah, sorry. I just woke up other genres, hip hop, uh, electronic music, drum and bass, you know, uh, went down like the, the square pusher rabbit hole. Nice. And, um, 
I don't know, but yeah, originally it was just I, I picked up drums because I thought all you had to play was just the four on the floor, and then you can get a gig. Right. I'm like, shit, this is this is gonna be the easiest instrument. I don't gotta mess with chords or anything. And did you, um, you know, uh, what was the idea? Because obviously, you, you know, we, we use the word gig, and obviously, drumming is so intertwined. Where it's like, yeah, you, you know, you're gigging around and you're, you're doing that. It, you know, I mean, obviously, you could say the same thing about other instruments, but I find it so readily attached to, uh, you know, the idea of drumming and like, you know, people that obviously have a desire to like session drum or whatever. Um, did, did you have that vision when you were younger that like, okay, I don't care what it is that I do as long as it's attached to drumming and I can, you know, figure out a way to make a living out of it? Uh, I think, you know, it depends on when you ask me. Because I remember when I was a kid, I just wanted to be a rock star. I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to be on MTV. I wanted to be, you know, whole nine yards. I wanted, you know, I just wanted to to do this, that, and the other thing and uh, get all the attention. And now maybe I'm talking when I'm like eight years old. You know what I mean? I'm like, right. yeah, I'm going to be a rock star. Like, I even like wrote about it like in my... You know, if you look at my elementary yearbook, I, I said something to that effect too under my picture. It's hysterical. Um, but no, later on, man, I I just uh, I got more into other things. You know, um, I you know I'll play any gig. I, I play jazz gigs when I'm home. I'll be like you know in a restaurant playing the cahoon, you know, <laughs> for a couple of bucks a night. Right. Uh, I just love I just love to play and I love to teach. Um, I love to learn. Because there's never-ending possibilities and, and rhythms and and all all new areas to explore on on this one instrument. It's not even one instrument. You're you're playing four instruments at the same time. Usually, you have four limbs. Usually, doing four things at the same time. Right. <laughs> so there's with, with that there's there's far too many mathematics and algorithms for my brain to comprehend. But um, I just know that there's uh, it never ends. And when you think you got something, there's a whole other world. You're just, you're just, you know, scratching the tip of the iceberg. You definitely like I, the, uh, uh, the, the kid that I played, uh, with in uh, a band that, uh, you know, was very much a total, total metal dude drum head. And like, he, you know, really exposed me to the artistry of drumming. Like I remember he took me to go see like Terry Bozio and it was one of those things where it was like, you know, by before that, I just like obviously viewed drummers as this sort of, um, you know, accessory in a way where it's just like, yeah, you you know, you guys can do what you do back there and it's cool and you can do some cool fills, but you know, no big deal. But then watching, yeah, yeah, watching someone like that, you keep time, you flip your sticks. (laughs) Totally. But then watching someone like that, or obviously, like you said, you know, Neil Pert or any of the other, you know, master drummers out there it really did flip a switch for me and i know for a lot of other people where it's just like when i still to this day when i watch live music uh, you know drumming is is basically at kind of the core of why i really like to watch drummers do their thing you know it's like yeah singers are cool and guitars are cool but like man look at that drummer he's he's got he's got it going yeah it's it's funny you mentioned uh terry too because uh, i remember when i was probably like 18 years old i i um i worked for a sound company and ended up just like kind of being a tech They're like hey you know this kid billy he's a drummer he can help you out and terry was actually really cool with it he's like okay cool fun so i ended up like helping him set up and and like tune his kit and he literally tuned like everything it's like a chromatic scale like like an 88 note piano you know what I mean? 88 key piano. He had every drum. He would bring out this like crazy tuner I've never seen before. It was so precise. And he sat there tuning. And I remember sitting there with him and he had the whole scale down. It's, there was, that's some other, other 
area like some other shit man i don't know <laughs> next level but, uh, <laughs> right, right it really it, he really is man yeah it really yeah. is I, I was i was blown away his drum set took like it was like a semi set up. It was, it was so massive. Came in on a truck. Totally. <laughs> it's it's. I mean, if you took if you took a person into that scenario to watch someone like him do their thing, like you know they would they would immediately look at the drum set and be like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Like, let's calm down. We don't need four hundred and seventy five symbols. Like, but then you watch him play and you're like, "Oh, I guess you do need four hundred and seventy five symbols." <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Right. Oh, of course. Um, so what? What kind and, uh, of you know? Oh, sorry, not to interrupt. And, 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 and drummers like that are good for like you know the the, the economy of, of all the instruments. You know what I mean? Because like then you get all these kids, like like an impressionable teenager that I was that thought I needed all of, all of these things to hit. You know, back when I was into all these drummers that had massive drum sets. I remember when I was getting fifteen. I had like two, three kick drums, octobons, four toms across. I had cymbals. Like it, it would just it went up the stairs like my kit went up the stairs i would like i would have like two drum seats it was stupid um and then uh and then i had to play my first show so i'm like bringing all this shit out right and i realized what a pain in the ass it was within like a couple of gigs i started playing a four-piece kit never looked back <laughs> dude i love i'm so glad you made out of yeah but out of sheerly out of sheer laziness i'm just like shit i don't have a tech i gotta bring this myself Right. Well, dude, I, I think I'm bringing two <laughs> two symbols and two toms. That's it. Yeah. Well, I, I, your experience is so true. Where it's like the moment that you realize that you have to carry, you know, your stuff somewhere else to obviously play a show. Like you, you don't realize that until you're doing it, and then that's when you realize, like, hey, the less I bring. The, the easier this is for me and obviously everybody else in my band, so they don't hate me because I'm carrying, you know, this this 14 piece kit. Yeah, seriously. So, what what kind of uh, you know what kind of kid did you find yourself uh, being? Obviously, like when you were you know started to go to junior high and high school, like were you um, you know basically just kind of kind of considered the music dude, or were you know you playing sports and like were you getting into uh, like you mentioned? Obviously, you got into like you know punk and hardcore and stuff like that. Um, how was that all swirling around the same time? Uh, a little staggered. I mean, I, I went through phases. I remember in high school, I was like actually really big into motocross. I, I loved riding dirt bikes just as much as I loved playing drums. So, um, and I remember I was, I was getting, I actually started to get good at that. So I was doing jumps and I was doing silly little tricks and whatnot. And, uh, and then like, you know, like my first like mild injury, I, I remember I like, I, I burnt like side of the engine into my leg and I could still have like a scar of like the Honda H that I had, like that had this, like XR 200. And, um, so, you know, that happened. And then, uh, and then I wanted to get a, a bigger bike. I wanted to get a two stroke and, uh, my mother's, um, uh, she, she's a night nurse. She was, well, she was, she's retired now, but she was uh, a night nurse in the ICU. And then this kid comes in in a motorcycle accident and dies in her unit. And that prevented me from, you know, getting, getting like the, the bigger, more powerful machine. And instead I got like this Tamasar classic drum set, state of the art drum set. I've never had anything that nice. So that was, you know, that's what, uh, that was the trade off, so to speak. Yeah. And, a, uh, that's a real, and then, and then real, I was, that's and a then real I fork in the mo- That's a real fork in the road. Yeah. Moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but, no, but I, I used to go, I used to go to like arena cross. I used to go to, you know, all these shows. I used to idolize, you know, like Ricky Carmichael and, uh-huh. uh, and, um, yeah, but that was that was a short like two to three year phase. I mean, I was still playing drums uh, during that, but 
Um, once that stopped, I kind of kind of shifted gears, no pun intended, uh, more towards music. And um, uh, living on Long Island, uh, I played lacrosse in high school. I, well, actually, I just practiced lacrosse. I didn't actually play in the game, but you know, they, they let me run with them on the team. Sure. Um, and that was good. That was just good for uh, you know, just for town aesthetics and, and cardio and, and keeping up my stamina. And um, that's really about it, man. I wasn't like a huge like, like sports guy. I was, you know, there wasn't a lot of drummers or really a lot of musicians in my high school. Um, I had like. Funny enough, like my two best friends, like from that school, I ended up being in a band with, and uh, being managed by Evan Steinfeld from Biohazard within a year of us starting a band in high school, and then we got Evan Steinfeld over. Before you know it, he's dating Tara Patrick, so I got Tara Patrick at my house, and uh, you know, it was just like this kind of weird thing. Like fuck, like there's some weird shit happening because we play music and because we're involved, you know, and the philosophy just started to become just keep playing music and more cool weird shit will keep happening wow that's 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 wild so what's uh what was that band that that started to you know obviously get people's attention from that perspective uh we were called bunny basket okay and what's what sort of what sort of style uh it was like it was like dance team music okay yeah and that no, I'm not telling. I'm not. I'm not telling you the real name of that band. <laughs> you ain't gonna find that. Oh man, that's a well. I think Bunny Bunny Basket. That's that's. I sure it should have been. Shit, I love that name. <laughs> cool. So so that. Uh, but w- was that kind of ostensibly your first band that you were like you know playing shows with and like trying to play like that was, going that was my first band. Uh, yeah, I would, I would never went on tour with them. I, I know we just we played like CBGBs and. And like the Elba Room in the city, we were just like, we'd basically just get gigs in Manhattan and Brooklyn and, uh, it's about it, man. And then college happened, everyone went their separate ways. Um, I ended up in this band called The Rivalry. That's actually a fact. Uh, we ended up touring with Alien Ant Farm at 311. And I, I did two years with them, pretty like heavy, heavy touring schedule. So that's, uh, that's where I got like my touring etiquette, you know, being in a band with a bunch of dudes, uh, you know, learning, learning how to deal with people in close quarters and, um, you know, budgeting yourself, living off of Wendy's dollar menus, doing that for two years. Right. So, you know, that doing that and, and, uh, you know, being on that grinds, I think really helped me out for, uh, for future endeavors. Sure. Um, did you, uh, did you kind of immediately take to touring or was it one of those things that you kind of like, uh, you know, learn to like it or, uh, where did you kind of land on that spectrum? I had, to, I for sure had to learn to like it. I remember like the first two weeks of my first tour, I had a panic attack. I'm like, fuck, I can't take this. I can't take this. Like I've never been away from home this long. I mean, I was 19 at the time. Um, so that's, that's like 12 years ago. Jesus. Um, yeah, now it's, now it's like, I'll be out for two months. And it still seems like we just started, you know? Right. So now, now it's like, I learned to, I learned to like it really quickly, but I got to say like when, when, you know, there's way far different levels of touring, you know what I mean? And, you know, at a certain point, like, I don't know how long I could have done, you know, sleeping on people's floors and in a sleeping bag and not showering. Like, I don't know if I could have done that for 10 years, 
straight without like, you know, seeing a return on the investment. But, um, you know, when you have, when you have like a higher level of touring, when you have like more of a comfort level, it just kind of allows like this lifestyle to, to keep going, you know? And then, and that's always been Ben's philosophy. You know, when I joined the band, he's like, look, this is why we have so much overhead so that we can keep doing this. Like we will spend so much money on our production, on our comfort level. It's like, even though, you know, we would make a lot more money with not having a bus or whatever, um, it's just going to allow us to keep playing shows and allow us to do this longer. So. Excuse the interruption, but I promise this is so worth your time because you, I'm pointing at you right now. Do you need relaxation? I think every single one of us does because, you know, we're all super stressed. We're all running around at our jobs, our family life, like whatever it is that's stressing you out and uh, causes you to basically not take care of yourself. This is the absolute perfect solution. So Soothe, it's a company called Soothe. And what they do is they send out a licensed massage therapist to wherever it is that you are, whether, I mean, it'd be kind of weird if you called it to your work, like in the middle of the workday. But for, for me, what I did is I downloaded the app on my phone. I keyed in my address and then basically they said, all right, here are the available times for you. And here is the massage therapist. Do you want a male or a female? Uh, you know, what sort of massage are you looking for? I was just blown away at these sort of options that uh, I could dial into. And then, um, yeah, I was able to schedule it like a couple days in advance. And then I got a amazing, amazing Swedish massage for an hour. They, they, the massage therapist brought her own table and brought her own music. It was one of those things where I set up in um, my bedroom and it was amazing. It was so relaxing. And um, yeah, no matter where you're at, it is an on-demand massage service. It's unbelievable. So please, this week, my listeners, so that's you, can get $30 towards their first massage with Soothe, S-O-O-T-H-E, when entering words at the checkout. So just, like I said, pop into your app store whatever device you may use and you know google play app store whatever and then download the app and then go to www.soothe.com and schedule your appointment today you can do either of those but use the promo code words because i'm going to give you 30 dollars off your first massage you better know that i'm going to be getting another massage with this promo code so i encourage you to do the same so 30 dollars towards it use the promo code words soothe massage that's delivered to you it's unbelievable try it out please relax now here is more of billy i was just saying like basically you know and hearing all of your your the things that you were interested in and obviously the you know wide variety of scenarios you kind of put yourself in that you obviously have this you know desire for adventure but at the same time you you know seem like a relatively easygoing dude would you classify yourself as that or is that something again that you kind of you know uh have learned to become man i i really can't tell you because I don't know. That's, that's, I would like. I would actually like an objective answer on that, and ask someone else's opinion, a third opinion, to, to know if I'm an easygoing dude. Sure. I mean, some. I mean, for the most part, probably. But I have my moments where I'm definitely not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think I think now I'm, I'm better than ever in, in that regard. Right. Um. No, it, it all de- it all depends on the situation, man. Um, well, the only- I know, I know. Like, I, I take I take rehearsal seriously. You know what I mean? So it's like when, when people don't know their parts, like I get really frustrated. Sure. Yeah. You know, so I've I've definitely, you know, in Dillinger and in other bands, I've probably given people a hard time about you know 
showing up not prepared and and I give myself even a harder time if I mess up one note like I'm really I'm more hard on myself than anybody else Right. I mean, I guess the reason I say that too is because obviously as a drummer, you need to kind of, you know, or a working drummer where you insert yourself in different situations and you kind of obviously have to play with people who may not have the same sort of, you know, background as you, but like, you're like, well, okay, like, let's, let's see what we can do, you know? Cause obviously looking at the, the, the bands that you've played in, like, yeah, you obviously they fall under the rock genre, but at the same time, like there's really very few sonic similarities to what you're doing in Dillinger versus what you're doing in the rivalry. So you have to be able to be, um, able to work with a wide variety of people. Um, otherwise you wouldn't get more work, you know, like people would be like, yo, Bill, yeah. Billy's a dick. You don't work with him or whatever. Or maybe, maybe you are a dick. You're just a good dick. <laughs> uh, uh, that's, um, I remember in the beginning of this interview, you said there's things you don't want to talk about. Uh, right. Okay. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is one of them. No, that's fine. I just, like I said, <laughs> I, I, I mostly kind of push that on, on drummers just because it is one of those things where uh, I find it, I find not only the instrument interesting, but then obviously the people that decide to play that very interesting because you do need to be more of a, um, yeah, you need to be more of a, a, a all all purpose utility kit as opposed to like, all right, there's just the shredder over there, you know? Yeah, no, of course, but it, it, it's more than just playing your instrument, man. It, it's more than you know. I I know plenty of guys who who will just you know shred the world's face off, but all they do is sit in their room or sit in their basement and they don't get out and they don't monetize their self, they don't brand themselves, they don't. You know, they don't take any step to, you know, to get on a stage and, you know, shake hands, the network, the whole nine yards. Um, and it's sad because there, it's just like a, a, you know, wasted source of talent. And, um, you know, there's, there's more, there's more to being a musician than just practicing your instrument. You have to, you have to know what to do with it. You have to know who to work with. You have to know, uh, how to work with other people. You know, and that's the biggest thing. And that's, that's what I've, for, for anything, I mean, I think I learned that in the Dillinger Escape Plan is how to work with people. Because there's extreme personalities in this band. (laughs) Yeah. Very extreme and very diverse personalities. Yeah. So I, I feel like I just went through band boot camp for the past eight or nine years. And, uh, I can't imagine any other gig being this crazy. Yeah. Oh no. I, I which is, which is, which is like relieving, but also kind of sad because I'm going to miss it, you know? Yeah. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's definitely, you know, the, the band is a unique beast and the people that make up the band are obviously an even more unique beast. So yeah, trying to inject yourself in something that has the, his, the history that it does and then being able to obviously oh. bring your talents to it. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there was so much history with these guys that, you know, before I even joined, like, there was already years of, you know, discontent and, uh, and just, you know, being in a band, so every, every aspect of being in a band. So I had to come in and, like, acquire the pieces and figure out the puzzle for myself over the course of time. Right. No, it's true. I like how you put that, where it's just like, all right, well, now I know that this person doesn't like it when I do that, so I won't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. It's a learning curve. Totally, totally. It's um, a total learning curve. Right, right. Um, so as you as you obviously started to become more comfortable with you know touring and obviously you know kind of getting yourself out there, um, 
it, was it one of those things you always kind of you know were on the look out for something that was obviously more exciting than the opportunity that you were you know currently involved in because like you know obviously bands have a a limited life you know life expectancy and then obviously a person like yourself who you know can kind of play anything um was it one of those things you always were kind of you know looking on the horizon for other opportunities uh you know i remember when when the rivalry broke up in in 2007 i went like a whole year of not being in a band or not having a gig and uh this is actually a really interesting time because um i was uh i was playing like this electronic drum set because uh I, you know, wasn't making noise. I just had this electronic drum set in my room and I was able to play it late at night. And that's all I was playing. You know, when you play these in your headphones, you just sound like God. You can just hit the drums, you can tap them, you sound amazing. So I was doing that for about a year and not having a gig. And I was just like answering like ads on Craigslist and just like trying to find something. I was like even auditioning for the Blue Man group at one point um, as an alternate. They're like, hey, we're having alternate auditions. Never got, like, never heard from them. Either way, um, I remember I was just playing on this and then I got into like the surf rock band and the second I started hitting, I, I couldn't even play cause I wasn't playing a real kit, you know? So I had to get like quickly acclimated to playing in a band and playing with like other people and their volume and their amps and everything. And, uh, I remember I did a couple of gigs with them for a little bit and then, uh, and then I got a call from my, my drum teacher about uh, Dylan Drew needing a drummer and there was auditions being held, so I just went for that. But that time period was just probably like the most I would consider a hiatus on my playing. If that makes any sense? Yeah, it does. Were you, uh, I guess, were you concerned about that? You know, like, were you nervous about the idea of like, oh man, do I have to like just kind of view drumming as, as like my hobby as opposed to my livelihood? Um, I mean, I was, I was at the point at that point when I even got the call, I was ready to, to leave. I was ready to do other things and, and have a new path in life. And, um, I was, my girlfriend at the time was a filmmaker and, uh, I was about to go to school for, um, audio engineering and I was going to work in, in a post audio, uh, for TV and film. And our, our plan was to make a post house we could just, you know, subcontract and work on, you know, reality TV shows and whatnot and travel shows. And, uh, it was, it was a cool plan. I mean, I was, you know, definitely like had, uh, you know, some milestones and, and just, uh, I was like already doing like money gigs. I was I actually worked as a boom operator on this travel television show. We went around, I just held a microphone on a stick and made good money doing that. Um, so yeah, it was at that point I was, I was going to do something completely different drums are just going to be a hobby. I was just going to take a back seat. I'm like, ah, all right, it didn't work. Uh, and then I got a call. <laughs> and, yeah. Well, and then, um, and the funny thing about that call, funny thing about that call is I remember, um, my, my drum teacher gave it to me. Uh, he also was like playing with like Bjork and Santa gold. So I got like super stoked. I'm like, no, he never like called me to just like reach out of the blue and just like say what's up. He always called me cause there was a gig, you know? I remember there was like, 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 like even before that, he was telling me something about like blood symbol or vision of disorder. And then like, it kind of just fizzled out. And then, um, I thought he was going to call me for the Santa Wolf gig. So I was freaking out when I saw him call. I'm like, guy, what's up, man? And he's just like, Hey man, I got a little, uh, little early Christmas present for you. 
a couple of guys from from Jersey might have heard of um, you know drummer. Uh, wow, shit! What are they called? They're called um, the, the 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 Dillinger Escape Plan. I'm like, dude, fuck you! You're like, you're fucking with me. And he's just like, he's like, no, nah, man. Uh, so like a friend of mine is a friend of Ben's, and they need a drummer, and you're the guy. You have to do. And I, it's a funny thing because I, it was like the ultimate like, you know. I remember listening to Dillinger early on and always telling myself, man, I could play that stuff, but I'll never have a reason to. I'll never have a reason to learn it. And then one day I got the call and I'm like, shit, why does it have to be that band? <laughs> of all bands, why does it have to be the hardest thing possible? Totally. And, and, and I just remember, uh, I just went for it. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my, the girl I was dating at the time. I didn't tell my best friends. I didn't tell my family. I just started picking apart their music. I put it into Pro Tools. I, I slowed down every, I would cut it up into like three second increments, slow it down, equalize it so I can hear the drums and then just notate everything. Play it slow and then, uh, and then eventually I started making audition tapes and sending it to them. And you were, and you did a lot of those uh, audition tapes. Like basically you would post them to YouTube and then obviously you'd send them the, uh, on, a, a link. on a private, on a, on a private link. I would send them, yeah, I would make, I would make a, Got you know, private YouTube link and like the first generation of YouTube thing, like website has been around for like a year and a half at this point. Right. And, uh, and I, the first song I did was Force Hunter off of Ioworks because I just liked that song and it was, uh, I, I thought I could, you know, attack it rel- relatively quickly. So I do that. I leave it up. Um, I sent it to my teacher. I didn't hear anything. And then another friend of mine in California, actually, my friend Mike Sliff, he sends it on a website called MySpace. Uh, I think the listeners remember a website called MySpace. Um, and uh, Liam saw it, and then Liam emailed me. So, like, that kind of just got my foot in the door, and then it's just like, hey, man, learn these other songs, send us these videos, and we'll talk. That's awesome. Yeah, I, could, I, I actually really... I, I, I thank you for actually mentioning it was obviously a, like a private link because I do think that there's, especially around that time, you know, whatever, the, the infancy of YouTube, um, you know, the first couple of years where it's like so many people, you know, from especially from drummers and vocalists would do these like kind of open audition tapes and like post them on the Internet and, you know, kind of just in hopes that someone will trip across them and be like, oh, yeah, like, let's let's talk to this person, you know, Um so I, I'm glad that it wasn't exactly that case with you or it was just like, oh, this is a deliberate thing. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm putting it private. I'm sending it to them as opposed to like, hey, look at me. Pay attention to me because I'm a good drummer. Right, right. But, you know, I mean, I mean that's just like kind of like me, too, because like I've always just, you know, I've always been like the nervous guy to ask the girl out. I've always had a, a fear of rejection. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't I wouldn't want to like publicly put myself out there and then fail publicly. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So. So I figured, like, like, like the, what do I got to lose? Like, the worst that's going to happen is, like, I learn some rad songs and, like, I, I, you know, get a couple of licks and become a better drummer in the process. Like, that's the worst that's going to happen. Right. And that was my attitude. No, that's really cool. Um, yeah. Did you, uh, you know, c- because you were obviously involved and interested in so many different, like, styles of music, um, you know, what kind of appealed to you, like, once you started to see the i guess the diy nature of a lot of the you know punk and hardcore and all that sort of stuff um was that appealing to you initially or was that just kind of you know a cool uh 
you know, afterthought once you started to, you know, play in those sort of bands and obviously go to those sort of shows? I mean, it was just more the attitude that was appealing to me. You know, obviously, like, I pull I pull what, uh, my inspiration from, you know, other genres, uh, I guess, sort of specifically, like, you know, when I listen to jazz, I listen to finesse, when I listen to, you know, electronic music, I just, I listen for sonic qualities, and when I listen to punk and hardcore, I'm listening to attitude. You know, so that's, I don't know, that, that's what really, it's, it's more of an attitude than it is a sound, you know what I mean? Right. No, I like I, I like so. that because yeah, people have different obviously entry points and what you know punk and hardcore and DIY like mean to them, and so um, you know I always like to see what attracts people to that in the first place, and it's cool. It's cool for you that obviously yeah. it's the attitude. Yeah, no, I I, I loved uh, I loved going to VFW halls as a kid and just seeing DIY shows and you know playing through a Fender Passport amp and having like mosh pits on the floor and you're just it was cool. It was fun. It was fun time. Right. right. You know. And, uh, and, I, and I love that that still happens. It hasn't gone away. No. Yeah, it's always, always going to be there no matter what. It just changes yeah. changes forms a little bit, but it relatively stays the same. Um, but now, and you, and correct me if I'm wrong, like you are you are playing in the current iteration of Glassjaw, correct? Um, or is that still, is that, I, is that I, undetermined? I recorded a record for them that'll, that's probably due to come out sometime in like 2036. Sure. I'm thinking. <laughs> that's, a, that, uh, that's actually about right for their release schedule. <laughs> I would, I would think, I would think somewhere between then and yeah. Um, no, I, hopefully it'll be out next year. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what I, you know, I don't know how much they want me talking about that because they're very private oh, that, with no. their stuff and, and their, and their business. But, um, totally, totally. I did, I did try, I, I tracked a bunch of songs for them and, uh, the whole album's worth of material. And I guess they're just, they're waiting to see how they're going to release it. And, um, as far as playing live, I mean, it's, it's definitely a possibility, but oddly enough, as you're on the phone with me, uh, Daryl just texted me. It's like, Hey buddy, you home yet? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I mean, but, the, the reason I brought it up is because obviously the uh, you know connections to Long Island and being able to you know play with those dudes, I'm sure, obviously was a was a pretty overwhelming well, experience. That was that was that was huge for me. I mean, like that, I I couldn't even approach them ten years ago in a club. I'm like, I can't even introduce myself. Can't even introduce myself. Now it's like, you know, I, I it's funny. Like now I've, I've been you know. I've been like really close friends with these dudes for, for a number of years now. And, and, uh, it doesn't even seem like, it doesn't even seem like that, you know, there was a time these guys were like so disconnected or so separated or, you know, I, I had them on, but man, it's, it's, it's weird. It's one of those things. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Like when, when, when your heroes just become your peers. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, you gotta, you gotta take a, you gotta take a second and just think like what happened and why did this happen? And then realize that again, it's one of those things that by playing music, all this, all these weird, cool things mm-hmm. tend to occur. Sure. Well, I also think too, because you know, as you get older, the age gap, you know, it's like whatever. When you're 17, a person yes. that's like 20, right. a person that's like 23 feels like they're like, oh my god, they're so much older than me. And then, oh right, right, like the fr- like 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 uh, the senior in high school being the freshman is frowned upon, but like 10 years down the road, it's just like high fives, you know. <laughs> Yeah. No, for sure. And then, yeah, it's like once then once you get to like know the people who you looked up to, you're just like, oh yeah, you're kind of just you're a goober just like me. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, but um, Glassjaw, Glassjaw, they uh, they they don't really play that many shows. Um, and the shows that they had booked, they offered me to play, but it, it just conflicted with Dillinger's schedule. So they actually have these um, these guys from Glass Cloud, ironically, keeping a glass. Right. Uh, Chad Hasty and uh, and Travis, um, uh, playing with them live. That's and they're awesome. great. They crush. That's awesome. Chad is amazing. That's rad. Um, you know, it's something else I find so interesting about, uh, well, I mean, same could be said about people who, you know, really do are, are involved in the guitar worship is the, um, the focus on equipment. You know, everyone is obviously asking like every interview you've ever done. It's like, Oh dude, tell me like, how, you know, the type of gorilla glue snot you're using on your drumsticks or whatever, you know, they're involved in such, in, in such funny enough. I, I've, I've really never even gotten nerdy questions like that in interviews. Really? That's okay. so funny. Now I'm thinking about it. It's just like it's like maybe brands but like i don't no one's ever like really gotten in depth about yeah well that i mean like, that well i guess that i i guess that doesn't prove my point where i'm just I, basically, <laughs> basically people just become so infatuated with the equipment rather than the person that's actually doing them in hopes that if they if this person you know purchases the equipment themselves that through osmosis they'll be like as good as that like you know i mean do, like well person to person like do you know after shows do people like really kind of you know gear out with you or is it you know generally speaking just kind of topical conversations most people they just they only want a conversation they just want like like a, a quick picture and then you know and then like hey man can, can you sign my shirt or whatever and, and I mean, it's cool because, like, you know, I'm happy to talk to people. Some people will stay there and, and, and ask you a bunch of questions, but for the most part, they just, you know, they're, I, I feel like people are, are kind of respectful. Like, like, look, you just played your show. I know you're tired, but, like, we really appreciate what you do. Can you just, can we just get a picture and, and an autograph real quick? And, you know, they, they give you a high five, and they, they, they just, you know, they go about their, their day. And um, I think that's, you know, I... I think our fans are really mature and respectful in that regards. You know what I mean? Like that's very cool. Once in a while, once in a while, you'll get the guy who just like invites himself in the bus, and then we're just like sitting there awkward, like, "What do we do? <laughs> like, we gotta go, man." <laughs> totally. <laughs> how, do, how do we get how do we get this guy to leave and not be a dick at the same time? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I also. Uh, Kind of, kind of circling back to something you said earlier that I find interesting too, where the, um, you know, like you mentioned, obviously playing like lacrosse and obviously having to be, you know, physically fit in order to play drums. Like obviously, there is uh, a level of intensity that you need to keep up for a prolonged period of time. And usually, you know, drummers obviously are fit and they like take care of themselves more so than you know maybe other people who play other instruments do. Um, have you? Like as you have you obviously have you as you get older, is it one of those things you have to kind of you know focus on the prep work more than um, you know the actual playing of the drums? Um, I think it's it's definitely important to uh, to exercise and and cardio is is probably the most important thing for for uh, this type of drumming anyway. You know, um, I think there's many benefits to yoga. Yoga has actually helped me out a lot. Um, I. I used to hold my breath so much on stage. I would, it would, you know, I wouldn't circulate blood to my, you know, to my muscles in time. I would, uh, I would, you know, my, my hands would cramp up, my legs would cramp up. And now just having a, a constant control of my breathing 
has just helped me stay loose and like I don't even break sticks or like uh, or got like blisters or like breaking my hands open anymore. You know, between between that, between breathing and then working on um, uh, this uh, it's called Muller method. It's a, it's a drumming technique. It's, um, it's like you know, just working off the rebound, letting letting the physics uh, of gravity work for you, getting the most out of your stroke, getting like three hits out of one. If that makes any sense. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of things, man. It's certainly important to stay fit, but I think that's a general statement for everybody. I think it's important to be health conscious. And now that we're talking about it, I just realized that we just came from Portland and Denver. I've been eating nothing but voodoo donuts the past three or four days. So of course, well, that's you know. So when, now, so now, so now let's talk about now. Now let's talk about fitness while I'm just <laughs> disgusted with my <laughs> past right. eating decisions. So. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Last uh, forty-eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, you know, the, the last thing I want to hit on was the uh, you know the idea of obviously since Dillinger's you know wrapping up over the course of the next like year and a half and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I presume it's one of those things where um, obviously at this point you are open to other opportunities and you know playing with different people and obviously you did that North Korea project and um, you know yeah yeah what it, what is it that you- I I actually just I actually just tracked um, a new envy on the coast record oh that's, uh, nice. supposed to come out supposed to come out there they're doing a little uh I'm, i asked them i'm allowed to talk about this i'm like okay. hey ryan can i talk about this this is cool um but yeah i just did a, I just did a new record for them and I, I think they're planning on releasing it next year and they're uh they're making a little comeback so i'm excited that's very cool are you gonna play um, are you gonna play live with them too uh i think they have their their live guy but i, I may get a call i don't know I, I listen i mean you know they're my friends i'm happy to help my friends out right i you know i i still play I'll do sessions for, for, you know, guys like I, I knew back in, you know, when I was like 19, you know what I mean? They were still doing their thing. And I just, you know, I, I play with everybody, man. But, um, I have, uh, I have some projects I'm working on too. I have an electronic project I'm going to be releasing next year. I have another heavy band I'm going to be releasing next year. It comes along with like an animated comic book. So there's, there's these like, you know, a couple passion projects I've been involved in for myself. And, uh, I'm hoping to have that wrapped by the end of the year and like I can do something and release it next year and nice. put out a video, sell a comic book, have a little package with the, you know, the, the EP, the download card and the comic book and whatnot. And it's cool because I got my brother who I was talking about before. He's been working his ass off on it and just made a whole world that's just pretty mind-blowing. That's but, very, um, that's very once, cool. Once that's, once that's solidified and once we agree on a band name, that's the ultimate. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hardest part. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I, I think I think dance team or bunny basket is my two uh, top candidates. Well, I, I mean, obviously, it's the second time. It's the second time you pulled, yeah. pulled out bunny basket. I, I think it's it's. I, it just it occurred last night. You know, just like that. Great bunny basket. I love it. <laughs> uh, they. Uh, I find it interesting too. Like you said, obviously, have you done a decent amount of session work, or is it just kind of you know sporadic? Oh. I'd say, I mean, a decent amount. Sure. Um, yeah. Sure. I've done a decent amount. What's, I, the, what's I, the, what's the, mo- the reason I bring it up is because I just always find it again, interesting because you have to be so versatile in stepping into different rooms and obviously accomplishing what it is they want you to accomplish. Like what was the kind of, um, you know, not in a bad experience, but just kind of the most left of center one that you walked into that you were like, Oh, I guess I'm doing this today. 
Um, all right. Well, the studio is a whole whole other animal than playing live. You know, when you're in the studio, you're making a record, so it's like most of the day is finding the tone. You know what I mean? It's like like painting a house. You know what I mean? Like like most of it is like putting the the masking tape up and all the prep work and like getting the mic in the right place and, and all this stuff, tuning everything, getting the sounds and then playing should go quick. You know, if you're prepared. Um, and, you know, and having said that, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to play in the studio. Um, you know, for, for some genres of music, you don't hit hard. You do, you hit too hard on the snare. You're going to choke the tone. That's, uh, you know, desired for, for that artist out of the drum you're gonna like choke that sound out and if you hit it softer you're gonna have more of like a you know full tone body and blend of attack than a, than just all attack if that makes sense um sure so there's different ways there's different ways to play in the studio there's different choice of drums choice of cymbals even choice of sticks depending on on uh on what you're going for and um, i mean off the top of my head actually like working working with ryan hunter um it's probably the probably more on the diverse side of, of like what I'm used to. Um, cause you know, when I get hired to stuff, to do stuff, it's usually like metal bands or, you know, they just want, they want everything hard. They want everything loud and fast. And, and I'll, I'll give, I'll give them what they want. But with him, you know, he, his references for, for records were really interesting. And, uh, and like the type of technique to, to get those sounds, uh, you know, it's it's more on a microscopic level because to play soft you have so much variables you know to play soft but also play consistently if that makes any sense yeah no absolutely yeah you no know, because if you're gonna if you're gonna tap if you're like if you have your volume like you know we don't have a volume up so let's just say like we do and you have like one ten and you have to keep that kick at a four it's so easy to go to a five or a two you know what I mean or a three but you got to keep it at a four. Right, the pre- the pressure is on because <laughs> yeah, it's not just like hey, uh, give me a hard across the board. <laughs> no, no, it's just like it, it's about tone. Right. So, no, that's, yeah, and that's rad. And, and and honestly, like for any drummer, like I would say, like the the best thing you could do is get get a home recording uh, rig, get an A channel interface, and record and listen yourself because it you know. It doesn't lie. What you're hearing back is you're playing. It's not lying to you. You know that's that's how you sound. You know, and then doing that can give you a, a more accurate, you know, analysis of, of how you sound and, and where you could where you could take things. No, that's right. I, I, it's it's always cool to be able to, um, you know, give give people. Uh, not only obviously advice on what they should do, but the, uh, the the method in which they should obviously do it in order to uh, ultimately get better at, at whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, dude, Billy, I really appreciate you hanging out, man. Thanks for uh, taking the time out of your uh, your 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 bus riding and uh, equipment loading to uh, hang out with me. Uh, uh, my pleasure, man. Thank you for uh, for considering me. 
Yes, 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 Billy. Thank you very much for your time. Obviously, he was uh, in the middle of tour. And I typically don't like to do these these conversations when someone's on tour because, uh, yeah, you get a lot of chaos sometimes. And, you know, Billy was obviously in the middle of some of that chaos. So, um, yeah, but I appreciate his time nonetheless because uh, I could tell he was uh, really engaged to want to do this. And um, his publicist was uh, very, very sweet. So thank you, Jenny, for helping set that up after a few misfires. But uh, we got it happening. And hopefully you enjoyed that discussion. And um, the guest next week is a conversation I've been wanting to have for probably about two years. And we finally made it happen. Andy Hurley, the drummer of Fall Out Boy, member of Race Trader. Um, I could list 400 other hardcore bands that he's played in, but I'm not going to at this time. He also played drums for Earth Crisis on a tour. How sweet is that? But uh, Andy Hurley has uh, been in my life for quite some time. And he's just uh, the realest of the real dudes. He is obviously extremely successful with Fall Out Boy. Um, but... Um, yeah, has been basically just the same dude as he as he was when I first met him, and it's uh, sometimes it's hard to do that when you get thrust into the world that uh, he has been. And uh, we talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about uh, things that I've just been curious about for quite some time. So there we go. That's Andy. And um, yeah, please visit our sponsors because they make this show happen. Uh, as you've probably noticed, there's been more and more sponsors that have been contributing to the show, and uh, it's an incredible thing. So please support them because uh, they make this show moving forward and i appreciate that and ultimately it makes it free for you and it obviously helps me uh, kind of maintain everything that i have going on in my life so that's uh, it's a win-win scenario for everybody involved so anyways until next week please be safe everybody you've been listening to the jabberjaw podcast network jabberjawmedia.com shh